0: Thank you. Braille, it will pass by so before it's too late to recapture
1: amen it's a powerful song amen what a precious thing it is time time's something you can't purchase you can't buy back you have it and then it 's gone boy I'll tell you what that's a sobering message there isn't it sobering well if we could only keep our mind wrapped around that thought, boy how it would change our everyday change our life, our attitude, our actions our outlooks it' change our Purpose, I believe in many cases. Well, let's go ahead and take our Bible, turn over to the book of Romans, chapter 10. As we prepare for our missions conference, as we look forward to what God has in store for us these next few days, uh, uh, we want to prepare for that. We want to ready ourselves for that some. And so I wanted to kind of set the tone and the stage as we uh, look forward to that. In Romans chapter 10, verse 14 and 15, we're going to read. I'll tell you what, let's go back maybe a few verses here and uh, just look at a few other scriptures. Um, let's go back to verse 9. Let's start in verse 9. Uh, it, the Bible says there, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. I want to focus for just a moment on how beautiful are the feet of them. Right there. Look how beautiful those feet are, friend. Now if I took my shoes off, you wouldn't think that, would you? But you know, the Bible talks about the beauty of the feet of those that proclaim and preach the gospel. You know, He's not just talking about preachers then. He's talking about anybody that shares the faith. Anybody that tells others about Jesus Christ. Anybody that goes out with the gospel of Jesus Christ into a world that's lost and in sin. And He says, Boy, I'll tell you what, your husband may not think so. Your wife may not agree. Your children may certainly be repulsed by your feet. But as I, the Lord Jesus Christ, look upon them, they are beautiful. Because they're carrying the gospel to a world that is in dire need of Jesus Christ. I go back now to verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As of April the 14th, 2010, there were 6.8 billion people on the earth. I apologize, singles, I had the numbers wrong. I kept saying 2007, but in a moment you'll understand why my numbers were all jumbled about. There's a lot of them here, but April the 14th, 2010, there were 6.8 billion people on the earth. Today, there are 7.5 billion. Isn't that amazing? 700 million people more people just in the last six years. Boy, i tell you what, we are seeing a population explosion. Do you realize it would require 40,000 trips around the world to equal one billion? A billion miles would take 40,000 trips around the earth. That's hard to imagine, isn't it? And yet there's over seven billion, seven and a half billion people On the earth. 60% of the world population lives in the continent of Asia. That's a hard concept to wrap our mind around. Asia, over 4 billion people alone in Asia. 1.2 billion in Africa. 750 million in Europe. North America, 534 million. South America, 420 million. Oceania and Australia, around 38 million. Population by age, we look at the age of people and we say 1.8 billion people are under the age of 15. It's amazing, isn't it? That's 27% of the world's population under the age of 15. 4.4 billion people are age 15 to 64. That's 65% fall between that 15 and 64 years of age. And then there's 516 million people that are 65 years or over. You're just 8%. If you're 65 or over, you are 8% of the world's population. You're pretty special. In 1950, there were 100,000 missionaries doing the work of God. And now there are about 5,000 independent Baptist missionary families serving on the foreign field. Folks, listen, there's... We've got issues today. We've got problems. Seventy-five percent of missionaries return home within the first three years, never to go back to the field again, or the foreign field at least. That's amazing, isn't it? They say that 94% of missionaries in the United States of America, 94% of all missionaries from the United States remain in the United States. That's sad. It's crazy, isn't it? 43% of missionaries never complete deputation. They don't even get through it. They start it, but they don't finish. Now, this one statistic sounds a little outrageous, and it is to some degree, but when you consider all Bible colleges, and again, all Protestant and Christian Bible colleges, they claim that only 1% of those Bible college students consider the mission field. Now, again, that number is significantly higher in our fundamental Baptist colleges. But may I say, if you consider the fact that many missionaries, many young men and young ladies don't want to go on the foreign field, uh, it's still not that that's much higher. And second, when you consider the fact that many of them will go a never-finished deputation, then you consider that those that do finish and go to the field, 43% of them will return after the first three years. It doesn't leave us a whole lot. Mark chapter 16 verse 15 says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now that does seem to be a very daunting task. There's no doubt about that. To literally reach the world with the gospel, to actually take the truth of this word to every single human being, every single creature on this earth, seems to be an impossible task, does it not? But then on the other hand, if the Lord Jesus Christ commanded it, I got to believe that he would provide for it. Do you know that he doesn't tell us to do things that we cannot do? The sad truth is that there's very little interest in reaching the world today. The real interest is in in enjoying it. We care more about enjoying the world than we do reaching the world, really. And that is why we're struggling with missions. I mean, our lifestyle, our, our materialism, our, our American way. I mean, the fact is today, as many of our young people are drowning in a sea of self. It's hard to look at self and say, hmm, I want to help others. I'm going to tell you what, it's hard to leave America where it's nice and comfortable, and where you have what you need. And I don't care what anybody says, America's still a great nation. America is still, uh, man, I'd rather live in America than anywhere else in the world, my friend. And listen, evidence of that is that people from around the world want to fight their way, crawl, scratch, whatever they have to do to get here. And we can say all we want about how bad it's getting and how wicked it is, and it is. It's growing ever darker, I understand. But we still live in a great nation. And may I say, it's hard for our young people to let go of this world that we experience and that we enjoy in America, to go to some third world country where somebody's never heard the gospel and go ahead and preach to them. It's very difficult, and they're struggling with it. And as a result, we're seeing the results as well. We have the Internet today. We have social media. We've got all these opportunities to reach the world now, we think. But may I say that there's no substitute, none at all, for a body on the ground. Someone who can laugh and cry with others. Someone who can share their hurts and rejoice with them in the victories. Listen, God himself, he could have reached the world in any way he chose. But the Lord Jesus Christ chose to personally take his place among mankind and come as a servant. The Bible says in Mark ten forty five, for even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. There is no greater missionary, if you will, than the Lord Jesus Christ, my friend, who left heaven, a wonderful, perfect paradise, and came to this sin sick world in which we live, and in which He ultimately did, to be tortured and to be taint, uh, to be to be maligned and mistreated, to ultimately die on an old rugged cross. He left everything He had to come to this place. No cost too great to reach those he loved. The personal touch is still in vogue and it's still most effective, my friends. I'll tell you what, you better be real careful with those phones. You better be careful with social media. You better be really careful when you start thinking somehow that you're connecting with people when you're typing with your thumbs. I promise you, you're not. We have lost touch with people. We've lost touch with one another. And we will not reach a world that's in sin and lost to God by simply reaching them through the media. We've got to reach them like this, one-on-one, showing a heart that cares, somebody that really can cry with them and laugh with them and love them and show them that love personally. That's why we have to have missionaries on the field. John Falconer, he said, I have been one candle of life, I have but one candle of life to burn. And I would rather burn it out on a land filled with darkness than in a land flooded with light. It's funny, we get to a certain place in our life and we say, well God would never ask me to do that. Man, I, I, my roots are too deep here. I've, done, I've, I've gone too far now. God would never call me to a mission field. God would never expect me to leave my family, my friends, my job, my this, my that. I'm safe. Isn't that sad? That we already tell God there's some things we just won't do. Let me tell you something, I like the perspective of this man. I don't even know him. I've never, I don't know what he is. I don't know who he is. I don't know if he's an apostate. I don't know, but well, I did like what he said when he said, I have but one candle of life to burn and I would rather burn it out in a land filled with darkness than in a land flooded with light. Oswald J. Smith said, Why should anyone hear the gospel twice before everyone has heard it once? That's a good question, isn't it? The majority of missionaries will spend their life serving in America where there's more life than we can handle, so to speak. And I know we say, well, now America's become the mission field. It may be, but they've had every opportunity where others have had none. It's dangerous, you young men. The temptation will be to stay here in America. To say, well, uh, missions, I mean, that's rough. And my wife, she probably couldn't handle it anyway. And it'd be nice not to be away from family. And it is. I love having my family around me, but I promise you this. If one of my kids come to me and said, we're going to a foreign field and it's going to be across the sea, I'd say, well, if God's in it, you go. There's no safer place in this world than the center of God's will. How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? The idea in the passage here is that the world will not call on him if they don't believe. They gotta believe, and they can't call on him if they don't believe, and, and they won't believe if they haven't heard, it says. And and they'll they, they, they'll not hear without a preacher. And how shall they preach except they be sent? This morning I'm convinced that the gospel will be silenced. That the world will, be, will perish and that the future is hopeless except they be sent. Convinced of that. So let's go ahead and have a word of prayer and we're going to move very quickly today. Father, we love you. We need you. Thank you for your people. Thank you, Father, for the privilege that we have to be a part of something bigger than ourselves, and that's you and your body. Thank you, Father, for including us in your family by allowing your son to come to earth and spend his life among sinners and then to die for us. Father, we had nothing to offer him, nothing at all, and yet he willingly laid down his life. Thank you that he is the perfect example of us, to us of what we ought to be to others. Father, bless us as we approach missions conference, as we, Father, begin praying, if we haven't already begun praying about what you would have us do personally, and Lord, may our hearts be stirred to understand that, Father, it's not just about us and our families, it's about those around the world. We need you, Lord. we we'll thank you for what you will accomplish in Christ's name, amen. Except they be sent, the gospel will be silenced. You and I, we gather today, we don't believe in what's called Calvinism. Calvinism is a word that implies that those that will be saved will be saved. That the blood of Jesus Christ was shed, but there's a group of people that it was shed for. <laughs> and that God in some time past went around and picked which ones would go to heaven and which ones would go to hell. Well, the Bible doesn't teach that. We're biblicists. We believe what the Bible says. We adhere to scriptural teaching and, it, and, and that scriptural teaching clearly expresses the need for every individual to personally call upon the name of the Lord in order to be saved. Everyone has equal opportunity. Everyone has access to God. Everyone, through prayer, crying out to God in repentance can be saved. It's not about who God chooses. It's about the plan by which He chose it. And the fact is, He gave His Son to die on Calvary to pay for our sin. And that shed blood will wash our sin away if we'll only trust Him. As we noted before we even arrive at verses 14 and 15... We read that verse in Romans 10:13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever. Well, I'll tell you what, and, and I'm, I'm not, I don't, please, I'm not trying to be irreverent, and I'm not trying to be blasphemous at all, but let me tell you something, I don't believe we serve a God that lied. When he says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, I got this idea that he really meant whosoever. Because if he already chose certain ones to be saved, then that's not a whosoever anymore. If you have bought into any of that philosophy, and it is merely philosophy, it is not scriptural, then I pray that you get rid of it quickly. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? You know that the world was reached in the apostles' day? I mean, the world was reached. The, 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 The fact that the Lord told them as he ascended into heaven to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, they did exactly what he told them to do. Over in the book of Colossians, chapter one, verse twenty three, we read, If ye continue in the faith grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Notice, which was preached to every creature. Paul is saying the gospel was preached to every creature. It reached the ears of every human being. The gospel was indeed taken to the furthest parts of the world. Oh, there wasn't 7.5 billion people then. But the people that were and did exist on the earth at that time heard the gospel. They fulfilled the Great Commission. Every generation is responsible to fulfill the Great Commission. Every church and every saved person is responsible to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is not enough that I'm saved or that my wife is saved or my children are saved or that even just my simple community is saved. It is not enough. The world is to be reached. And the moment that I become comfortable with that which is mine being saved is the day that I cease To fulfill the commission God's given me and the church. You say, well, it's the church's job. Yeah, who's part of that? You. So that makes it your responsibility. What are you doing to reach the world with the gospel? What am I doing? Well, we need to do more, don't we? We really do. In Matthew 28, we saw already that he tells them to go, ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Boy, he was with them. He was with them. He was with them in power, he's with them in spirit. And they literally reached the world. Matter of fact, there came a point over in Thessalonica when they were be- preaching the Word of God that some of the folks were very upset about the fact that they were preaching another God other than Caesar and others that they had believed to be God. And as a result, they go to take Paul captive. But they couldn't find him, so they arrested Jason and his household instead. And here's what they said. Here's their accusation, Acts 17, verse 6. And when they found them not, talking about Paul and his buddies, they drew Jason and certain brethren into the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. They turned the world upside down. How are we doing on that job? Seems pretty, it's upside down all right, but not because of the gospel. When trying, uh, being tried for preaching the resurrection, resurrected Christ, it was said of Paul in Acts 24, 5, For we have found this man a pestilent fellow and a mover of sedition among all the Jews throughout the world. Throughout the world. The gospel was shared throughout the world. It reached the world. Do you realize how blessed you and I are to have the gospel in America? I mean, do you really, can you grasp this? I mean, do you realize there are so many unreached people in the world? People that have never even heard. Don't even know that a man by the name of Jesus ever walked the face of this earth. So few of our missionaries are going to unreached people. And that population is ever growing. The gospel will be silenced except they be sent. If we don't send missionaries, who will? And if we don't send missionaries, how will they hear? And if they don't hear, they'll not believe. Except they be sent, the world will perish. John 3:16 through 18. Turn there if you would, please. Often we stop with John 3:16, but 17 and 18 are extremely good. Notice what it says here in John 3:16 through 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. It's a wonderful thing that Jesus Christ came to the earth. He didn't come to condemn us. No, indeed, he came to save us. He came to redeem us. It's amazing. I mean, we look at the world and they say, "How's come you point out our sin? How's come you judge us? We're not judging. The Lord's trying to show you your need of salvation. He's trying to help you see that without Him, you're going to perish and spend an eternity separated from Him and in a place called the lake of fire. You're not going to receive Christ. You're not going to accept the Lord. You're not going to repent of your sin if you don't see a need to do so. And that's all that the Bible's about. The Bible's about pointing out our failures and our faults, not for the sake of making us feel small and little in and of itself, but to help us recognize and see the need of a Savior that can save us and forgive us of that sin that we are inherent of. We're already sinners, born into sin, ever since Adam sinned. His children and offspring were sinners and so are theirs and so on and so forth. You and I are inherently sinners. We are sinners at the root. Often say in our soul winning program, I'm not a sinner because I sin. I sin because I am a sinner. That's why I do what I do. And you say, uh, "You say, well, pastor, you know, you just aren't perfect and you got problems. I'd say, you are right. Because I am just a sinner like you. We're all in this boat together. And it's a sinking ship without Jesus Christ. Right. Amen. For the wages of sin is death, the Bible tells us in Romans 6.23. And the Bible goes on to tell us that that death is twofold, physical and spiritual. When it says, in death and hell we're cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. We'll all die once physically, but then if not saved, not forgiven, if Jesus Christ hasn't been received and accepted in your life, then you will die spiritually. And that is, according to the Bible, to be separated forever in a place called the lake of fire. That's called the second death. So we're all condemned, and the only pardon offered is found in Christ alone, and that's called the gospel or the good news. And that is the message that needs to be heralded throughout the world, in every country, among every race, among every ethnic group, among every person that exists, they need the good news. Be careful how you speak about people. Be careful the position or the attitude that you have toward lesbians and gays and transgender and others. Let me tell you something. Whether you like it or not, we are responsible to reach them with the gospel. You cannot reach somebody that knows that you have an attitude toward them and that you hate their guts. And if you hate them, my friend, you aren't Christ-like at all am not saying you have to embrace their, their position. I'm not saying you have to agree with their, their stance. I'm not even saying that you have to buy into the so-called science that does not exist. But the fact is, my friend, is that we are responsible to reach them. We must love them. And until they know we care, they will not care what we have to say. Hell's a real place. Those that are lost, those that are not saved by the blood of Jesus Christ will perish. But he came and made his way here for you and I. Somebody brought the gospel to America. Somebody carried it from some other land and brought it to you and I. Because it was not here when Jesus left. You are a byproduct of a missionary. And so am I. You'd be going to hell in a handbasket if it wasn't for a missionary. Your children would be burning in the lake of fire forever if it wasn't for a missionary. Your mom and your dad would have had no hope of ever walking on streets of gold if it wasn't for a missionary. God help us to not see ourselves as unique and special and better than everybody else. May I say we are just sinners saved by grace. And we are reached the same way that every sinner has to be reached. And that's by somebody taking the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ in hand and marching on to each person. And that means crossing the seas. And that means flying over to new continents. That means taking the gospel around the world if we're going to make, meet the, 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 the need, and if we're going to truly accomplish the job God gave us. And the truth is, they deserve it as much as we do. The gospel would be silenced except they be sent. The world will perish except they be sent. And finally, except they be sent, the future's hopeless. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. We're going to cut this one short, because we want to get finished today, and I want to encourage you to come back tonight. We'll finish up our marriage, uh, portion of our marriage series. We've been doing it for, this will be the third week now. And of course, we have our donuts and cider. That's good enough reason to come back to church right there. Amen. So I can go buy a dozen donuts. Don't lie to me. I know what your wallet looks like. It's anything like mine. You ain't going down there and buying a dozen donuts. You'd be cleaned out. You ever see how much donuts are nowadays? They're expensive. Let us buy a donut. Have one on us tonight. All right? Or should I say have one on yourself since you've been tithing and giving. It's actually your money. So anyway. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 11 through 12. Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Boy, if except they be sent, the world will continue in hopelessness. You are not born with... You may be born with a God conscience in the sense that you recognize that there's a void in your life. You realize that there's some kind of, there's got to be something bigger than yourself. That you may be born with. Yes, I, I have no doubt that there's a vacuum that has to be filled in the life of every man and woman. But may I say this, you don't know who it is and you don't know what it is, except they be sent. And you are hopeless as hopeless can be without him. The economy offers little hope. The government offers little hope. The condition of our culture and our society offers very little hope. The direction in which we're headed offers little hope. The trends and the fads of our day offer little hope. No hope. No hope. That's why we're so bent on buying new things and acquiring bigger and better all the time. We're always looking for something to make us feel good, something to... Meet the need. Something to kind of spark a little bit of excitement and give us a reason to wake up and live because without Jesus Christ, there is no hope. Amen. Yep. Oh, that we would understand that. I know myself, first and foremost, to really grasp that concept. To realize that just because a brother or a sister or an aunt or an uncle or a mom or a dad or a grandma or grandpa or an aunt or uncle. Just because they have all the things that say happiness. Just because they possess the things that say success. That doesn't mean anything. They are without hope if they are without God and the Lord Jesus Christ. What a sad existence it would be to be without Christ in this hopeless world. Oh, there are bright spots along the way. I mean, while a person possesses health, happiness, while they possess a sense of accomplishment, there may be a feeling of fulfillment and satisfaction, yes. However, it has been said, all good things must come to an end. And the fate of those without Christ is bleak and bitter to say the least. The believer not only has the prospect of hope, but possesses hope in the person of Jesus Christ. He says in Colossians, To whom God would make known what is the riches and the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's our hope. He is. It's not a feeling we possess, it's not an attitude that we have, it is a person. That's our hope, Jesus Christ. He is our hope. And young people, let me just say this. You you can find a sense of satisfaction and joy and hope, so to speak, in this world without Him. Because you've, stand up, brother. You've got it going. You've got your health. You feel good. You wake up in the morning feeling strong. You've got potential. You've got your future ahead of you. It seems like everything's, you know, you, you, you got it. you got the world here. But let me tell you something: you're not going to be healthy. You're not going to be young. You're not going to be sharp looking. You're not. No, I didn't say good looking. You're not going to be any of those things. Hey, I'm a guy. I can't say that to a guy. So I hope that didn't offend you. Because if it did, we need to talk after the service. But nonetheless. <laughs> The, the fact is, is that you're not going to be that man you are right now one day. And you know what you're not going to have? Any hope. you don't even have hope of, the, of tomorrow. You think you've got tomorrow, so you hope. You, you think you're going to have a beautiful wife one day, so you hope. You think you're going to enjoy a family one day, so you hope. You think, I've got a perfect career hopefully ahead of me one day. I can finish school and get a job. You, that's hope. You have hope in something that may never exist, but you have some kind of hope. But when you turn... Sometimes 30, 40, 50, 60, 70. All those things are behind you. Where's your hope? Have a seat. Folks, let's not, be, let's not lose perspective here. Let's be very careful that we have a biblical perspective. Listen, the gospel will be silenced except they be sent. The world will perish except they be sent. The future is hopeless except they be sent. And that's why we need to take the gospel around the world. That's what missions is all about. Sending those that can share the wonderful news of Jesus Christ. It's missions. Except they be sent. Are you saved today? Wouldn't it be sad? We, We just talked all this time about those around the world needing the gospel. And you sit in this service today without Jesus Christ in your life without Him in your heart, without Him residing in your body. You are as lost as lost can be. You still have never invited Christ into your life. You've never trusted Him as Savior and Lord. My friend, He was sent. See how beautiful these feet are? You want to know why they're beautiful? Because He shared with you the truth of the gospel. Not because he has anything in and of himself that can save you or help you. He has only the message that the Lord Jesus Christ sent him with. And it's called the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, my friend. He died for you, was buried and rose again. That's the message of those that are sent. And I say, if you've never trusted him, don't leave here without him. Because you'll have no hope too. And you don't now, whether you think you do. Because tomorrow you could find out you have cancer and are going to die in three months. Your wife could walk out on you tomorrow and you'd think the world was coming to an end. I mean, don't you dare think for a minute you got the world by the tail. You don't. You have no hope without him. And everybody you say well that could happen to a Christian, yeah, but you know what the world can't take from a Christian? Jesus Christ in his heart Amen. and the word of God and all those promises that he gives us of eternal life and hope. We got him. We've got him. He is our hope. That wasn't good. But he's good. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we come to you. Thank you.